Hey everybody, Mike Dempsey here. It's NFL playoff time, and you can still win playing Underdog Fantasy by picking higher or lower on player stats at underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with promo code 1010XL, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. And it's amazing how things change in just one year. Remember this date. And 2023, down 27 nothing. The Jaguars would come from behind with a playoff game right here in Duval. And the city was on skates. I mean, it was just surreal. It was an incredible feeling. Of course, they went out on the road the, uh, a week later, played at Arrowhead. Um, made a couple of big mistakes late in the football game. And it cost them, but... Just to kind of look at what the case was there and where you are now, and all of a sudden within the division, all of the attention is on Houston. And in that city, it kind of feels like what it did here a year ago. Uh, just a phenomenal performance by the Texans. C.J. Stroud, simply amazing. And, you know, to look around at that offensive line, which has gotten tighter, some free agent acquisitions, including a guy like Shaq Mason, uh, right guard who's won Super Bowls. Uh, obviously, the highly talked about trade they made with Miami a couple of years ago with Laramie Tunsil to be able to get a couple of guys to run the football and wide receivers, uh, tough wide receivers, a tough tight end in Dalton Schultz, and just how young and aggressive this team is with guys like Will Anderson and obviously D'Amico Ryans himself. Looks like he could still play. Maybe the best-case scenario for that organization right here in town would be Bobby Slowick getting a job, right? There are, what, eight openings right now. There could be a ninth. Heck, there could be a tenth if Philly loses tonight in Tampa Bay. Although the word out of Philadelphia is that Nick Suriani is safe. Uh, that could change with a very bad performance. I mean, it's one thing if Dallas was to lose as they did yesterday. It's another thing to lose the way that they did. They didn't look ready. They didn't look prepared. As a matter of fact, they looked a little bit like Jacksonville in Game 17 during their trip to Nashville. Sure, you can win. Sure, you can lose. But to lose and to look totally unprepared is just awful. And that's the way the Jaguars did look with the turnovers, the missed tackles, just, uh, you know, really the term of the year and we got into this last week and got a lot of phenomenal selections from you, the listener. I, I labeled the 23 Jaguars with one word for me, miscommunication, right? J.J. went with regression, and we got a lot of good terms that came in. That can't happen. I mean, eight or nine more coaching changes this year in the NFL. On top of that, we've seen some – Folks who had a, a long period of stay, 24 years in New England for Belichick, 14 years in Seattle for Carroll. Uh, there's some talk that Mike Tomlin could walk away 
If they lose today, as we go to the halftime break, Pittsburgh has scored. So it's now a 21-7 Buffalo lead. They are running into the tunnel right now to begin halftime. So you get, what, 13 or so minutes before the start of the second half. We'll keep you updated on that football game throughout the course of our program, which will take you till 8. And then later on tonight in Tampa, it is going to be uh, an interesting game between the Eagles and the Bucks. The, the Eagles very similar to Jacksonville, in my opinion. Right? Remember at one point, Philadelphia was 10-1. and one. Philadelphia has lost five of their last six. They're, they're really scuffling, and we'll see what happens. Interesting as, as far as what the money has done coming in on both teams. I mean, on the surface for me, it looks like a Philadelphia victory, but we shall see. Uh, you know, what you do and what you look like are two different things. Uh, getting the job done between a W and an L is the most important factor. But how you look doing it, especially if it's a loss, is what it's all about. And that was really bad yesterday for Dallas. And Jerry Jones, never a loss for words, looked shocked. He said he was floored. I mean, how do you get down the way that they were, what, 27 to nothing, very similar to Jacksonville a year ago here against the Los Angeles Chargers. So we'll see. Uh, The pressure on that job, I I would have to believe is unlike pressure in any other job in the NFL. And I understand that New York has the pressure of being in that city. But outside of the Giants winning a couple with Coughlin, what are really the expectations for either one of those New York teams, right? I mean, look at L.A. They have two teams. It really doesn't matter at all. As I said, just talking with the guys here, uh, a couple of minutes ago, it was fun to watch that Detroit-LA game last night. It's been by far the best of the playoff games. And can you imagine if the jerseys were reversed? And when, you know, Puka goes up for that grab and he's clearly held back, grabbed by the back of his jersey, which, you know, it's such a subjective call. It's like holding. On the offensive line, guys are grabbing one another when they are defensive backs and they are wide receivers. For the record, I thought there were four or five very debatable non-calls or calls uh, that happened in this game. And to credit the referees, for the most part, they let them play. And I think that's all you can hope for now as a fan of the game, whether it's college or pro. That is consistency. It seems like baseball, even though they're measured with every strike, with with Questech or whatever the latest is as far as uh, measuring uh, where where pitches go, a strike zone is going to vary for every single home plate umpire. And if you're calling a high strike, fine. But if you're calling it in the first and second inning, you better call it throughout the course of the game. And if you get to the ninth inning, you better still be making those same calls. You have shown what your strike zone is. I, I think when it comes to those two parts of the game, offensive holding and defensive holding slash pass interference, you have to be consistent. And there is criticism, but I think for the most part, the refs stuck to what they were doing throughout the course of the game. Uh, However, L.A. didn't have a voice. Even though they're the second media market in the world, they just don't. Detroit hasn't won a playoff game 
since 1991. If that had gone the other way and that had been on Brown or something along those lines, Laporta, whatever, can you imagine uh, the outcry? So anyway, uh, it is pretty interesting if you do, in fact, look at it this way. All right, we got a lot to do here tonight. Going to be very busy over the next couple of hours. I think it's going to be a great week here in Jacksonville. I know you're stung a little bit by what you're witnessing, but that's the league. It is. And and things can change um, just like that. I, I, I still can't get over Green Bay. To me, that is a shock. And to look at what Love did, I, you know, I figured a long time, you know, when they made the move and, and peddled uh, Aaron Rodgers, I, I, I was honestly under the belief, okay, they're, they're giving up here. Right, is it really going to work uh, with Jordan Love? Let, let's give it a little bit of time and actually find out. But you're sending over a true Hall of Famer, a first ballot Hall of Famer to New York, and of course he was injured. Love was second this year in touchdown passes. He had nearly a perfect quarterback rating in this game, let me look it up again. He, he actually might have. Uh, let's see here. A 157.2 quarterback rating yesterday. 16 to 21 for 272 and three touchdowns. So, you know, we said forever that it's hard for young quarterbacks. Look at this division. The Jaguars with Stroud and with Levis and obviously the injury to the Anthony Richardson. And who would have thought that three years in, Trevor Lawrence is far and away the elder statesman. It's just incredible. But we're seeing the younger quarterbacks rise to the occasion in almost zero time with Love in Green Bay and obviously Stroud uh, in Houston. And I think that that has created a little bit of obviously uh, concern from you, frustration from you. And when I look at this football team, I still think it's much better off than it was two years ago. I mean, obviously, they had the top pick in the draft, and they won four games in two years. You're not as far off as perhaps you believe you are right here today. But as I will say, and I've continued to say, and I have a feeling I'm going to get into it from one aspect or another um, almost every single day up until free agency begins and then the NFL draft, This is going to become the most important offseason in Jaguars history. It's incredible. It's decision after decision after decision after decision. You were the winning teams yesterday, certainly Detroit, and just how tough they are in the ditch, the line of scrimmage, teams that are uh, mean, teams that identify their coach, and that is absolutely the case with the Detroit Lions, and you feel that way as well in Houston. You know, that they're playing for Dan Campbell, that they're playing for D'Amico Ryan. So I'm not here to out Doug Peterson today. That's, that's, not, my, uh, that's not my point uh, on this Monday. But they have to become a tougher football team. And, you know, every year I sit here and I, I, I try to talk about what's good. I talk about what's bad. And you try to take the bad and make it a good. I have forever been hammering getting better at the line of scrimmage. And I look around and see all these mock drafts that are out. I understand that it's so early in the process. We're what? 101 days away from the draft. Okay, so there's an eternity of time here. And obviously free agency a month before that, actually about six weeks before that, in the uh, the mid part of March, um, this team has to fix that first. 
And all you have to do is look at what has happened here in playoff football. People are going to point to what? They're going to point to great quarterback play. All right, I still think this football team has an ability, has a chance to have great quarterback play. Some of you out there now are, you know, a a little concerned about that. Is it in fact the case? I mean, there's no escaping 21 turnovers for Trevor Lawrence. I, I don't have a way to defend, uh, you know, to defend that. It is impossible for me uh, to defend that right now. And I do think that Trent Baalke did a really good job of providing enough talent around Trevor Lawrence when you look at skill position, guys. The offensive line remains the biggest concern, no question about that. So what's next for this team? Well, the defensive side. you got to play better defense as well. And this football team was among the worst uh, in the league when it came to sacks. They, you know, could not stop the run. Here's a team that can't run and can't stop the run. That's not a playoff football team. You should at least be able to do one of the two things with some sort of success. This team did neither. So that becomes, again, one of the huge parts that this football team is going to have to do uh, in a very short period of time. And it appears that step one is going to be identifying the defensive coordinator for this football team. And, and, you know, I don't know this because it's only been a couple of days. I I guess now it's been officially, what, day eight since the season ended. Uh, But it feels weird. It does. Nothing feels uh, like, honestly, they know what the hell they're doing. What are they doing? Wink Martindale tomorrow, Wink Martindale, a two-day interview, reportedly Chris Harris coming in as the Titans pass game coordinator. Uh, Tomorrow, the guy that I want more than any right there with Wink uh, Martindale is is Leslie Frazier. Haven't seen him listed yet. We know that he is going to uh, interview for the Raiders job, which I I think right there they're making a mistake. I think, uh, you know, Pierce would be a fantastic coach. But you know Mark Davis – Uh, is going to screw that up. It just seems like whenever Jacksonville is afforded an opportunity to get out ahead, they do nothing. And they're very good at doing nothing. And we've heard of what? A couple of uh, blocked interviews in Carolina with with Evero and with, uh, with, with Nielsen and Atlanta, and reportedly five guys have been mentioned so far. Uh, who have either interviewed already or will interview. And, you know, you can tell me about due diligence and you can tell me about accurately and thoroughly going through what you want to do. If you're a general manager on this team and you're a head coach of this team and you don't have your short list, that is a massive problem. So I'm wondering, why is this taking so long? Do they have the perfect guy out there who they just haven't been able to get their hands on because he is coaching in one of these games, even though they've reached out to, let's say, you know, Baltimore to Chris Hewitt, and reportedly they reached out to Baltimore with Anthony Weaver, who uh, in some circles they say declined an opportunity to interview for the job. That's part of it, and if so, okay, uh, that is understandable. But how can you not know who you want to be your next defensive coordinator. And again, as far as the whole power struggle goes, I don't have an answer for you. I've always been one of those who believes the general manager brings in the players, 
the head coach does announce who his staff is going to be. That, that is my belief on how you run a football team. But around here, I have no idea. I mean, there's been rumors that Bulky doesn't want Press Taylor, that Doug Peterson remains uh, you know, loyal to Press Taylor, and has that created a little bit of a division uh, between the two? I, I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know if anyone honestly knows the answer to that question. I mean, there's speculation on this, and I get it, because the Jaguars did underachieve. The Jaguars did not go to the playoffs, or perhaps deep into the playoffs, which was the expectation before the season did start. I would hope there's a little bit of friction. I would expect that. They, they didn't get done what they were supposed to get done. And, you know, I still am one of those who firmly does believe, and I'm always going to believe this until I'm told differently, that Doug Peterson is not really the guy for Trent Baalke. That if Trent Baalke had his way, he would have hired another head coach two years ago. I don't know that. That's my belief. Now, obviously, I've talked with people, but that's the way that I feel. I don't know that for sure, and it's not as if we're ever going to get an answer to it. You know, probably take... uh, an interview after the fact, or maybe a book uh, somewhere down the line where it is actually admitted that, yeah, it happened that way, or no, it did not happen that way. And, and I think that's a part of this that may be end result. And it's all of what I'm looking towards during the 2024 calendar year. This can't continue, okay? You can't fall short of expectations in a year. If so, I got to believe Shad Khan blows the entire thing up and you lose both your general manager and your head coach, and then you begin 2025 starting over. And it's not like you're talking about a team that just won three games. You're talking about a team that was 9-8 and eight after a season in which they were 9-8. and eight. So the starting point is actually okay. It's not where you want it, but it's certainly not as bad around here as it's been many times throughout the course of the history of this organization. So we got a lot to do here over the next couple of hours. It's great to have you with us. I want to uh, begin to get into the uh, defensive coordinator situation here for the Jaguars and give you an opportunity to voice your opinion at 641-1010 on our text line, which is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. And also, you know, a little caveat, because it's such a big name and a big deal when you talk about uh, Bill Belichick, and you talk about the Dallas Cowboys, uh, does that make sense to you, yes or no? For me, it's an absolute no-brainer. I think it works for every reason. Uh, but anyway, we'll give you an opportunity at 641-1010, again, on our text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosure. So, all right, opening comments are brought to you by Schmunez Vision. I've been with Dr. Neil Schmunez uh, since I got back into town, and it's a, a family organization out at the beach, no matter what it is that involves your eyes, they are your one stop. Now, the older you get, there are issues with uh, your cornea, right? There can be issues with cataract, and you may be nervous that you need cataract surgery. Um, Hey, that could be the case, uh, but when you go and you see them, you could find out that maybe it's just something that, uh, you know, they can uh, take care of without surgery. There are certainly other remedies Uh, that they do have. But if that's where you're headed, this is where they really shine. High-quality medical and surgical eye care with Dr. Catherine Schmunez as well. You're talking about more than 30 years' worth of experience, 
Laser eye surgery is something that's becoming more and more popular. The reason why? Well, you have 2020 eye say for the rest of your days. I say it all the time. You're heading home right now at 620. Your eyes fit, uh, are fatigued, right? They're not nearly as strong as they were when you woke up this morning. It's like the rest of your body. We often neglect doing what is best for us when it comes to our eyes. And it amazes me. I don't want you to be a part of that anymore. Go to Schmunez Vision or SchmunezVision.com. You can check them out online to see everything that they do offer. Again, a family organization, and it's one that I would love to see you become a part of. Go to SchmunezVision.com. Care you can see. All right, we've just begun the third quarter. Let's see. Buffalo at three and out, so they are punting. 13.30 to go in the third quarter. The Steelers scored last in quarter number two, so it's 21-7 Pittsburgh and a pretty decent return here by, or 21-7 Buffalo, a pretty decent return here by Pittsburgh. They're going to begin at their own 40-yard line, so this looked like this had blowout written all over it. It appears we could have a game, 21-7 right now, Buffalo over the Pittsburgh Steelers. But Pittsburgh does, in fact, have the football. Keep you updated on that. And we got much more to do right here on a Monday edition. It's great to have you with us on Into the Night. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Mike Norvell strikes again. He gets a four-star linebacker from Alabama, Sean Murphy. That is the biggest position of need. Uh, DJ Lundy, who was in the transfer portal, and I think gave a verbal to Colorado, uh, elected to come back. But, you know, he hadn't played much at Alabama. So, you know, the jury's still out as to whether or not he can play in, uh, in big time. Uh, collegiate football, but I want to say this is now either the 12th or 13th transfer portal player that Mike Norvell has picked up, and the fifth overall from Alabama, getting running back Roydale Williams over the weekend. So what a run here by Florida State. And how about the U? Getting Cam Ward after, what, two weeks ago, him telling us that he was not going to play college football this year. He was going to make himself eligible for the National Football League draft. Cam Ward, somewhat of a surprising decision. Very surprising. Yeah, I don't I don't think anyone expected him to change his mind once he said he was going to the NFL. So, yeah, Miami's got a quarterback, finally. Uh, this kid in town at Mandarin, the five-star wide receiver, his last name is French. There's two Fs. If you've seen the spelling, it goes uh, F-F-R-E-N-C-H. I apologize. I don't know his first name right now. But it, he is one of the more talented kids in uh, in high school football, still with a year remaining. Their quarterback is given a verbal out of Florida State. But he has become one of the players who is now decommitted uh, to play at Alabama. And my understanding is that uh, Mike Norvell has already visited him, but also that the U <clears throat> is really involved. And I'm not going to go on record saying anything about who's favored or who's a lean because we know at this particular point, who knows what to expect when you include the NIL and everything 
just because you say you're going to a college uh, or a university until you sign that dotted line on, what, the 20th day of December. So that's 11 months away. There's really uh, no really good gauge as to where they're going to go. But that's a huge move. And, and he all of a sudden becomes arguably the most attractive player in this state um, who will sign again in 11 months. So, you know, the, you could get him as well. If so, that would be uh, that would be enormous. All right, we got a lot to do here. Uh, now, let's see. Uh, Buffalo, it was just a, an injury. They would they put someone on a cart. I didn't get a name. Um, but Buffalo now uh, is up 21 to 7. They had a three and out and a punt. Pittsburgh began their drive at their own 40. It's now second and 10, and they're right around midfield. So uh, Pittsburgh's starting to get it, at least back into this football game. You, you would figure that as the game goes on, uh, maybe they can try to make some uh, offensive adjustments and, and do a few things to to put some points up, and they're doing exactly that. They pick up another first down, so they have it within the 33-yard line, and they are driving with only 12 and a half minutes to go in the third quarter. So we're seeing the momentum shift uh, despite all of the uh, brutal weather and everything that is actually happening in Buffalo. All right, I threw out a couple of moments ago, you know, questions about where this football team is and uh, particularly – uh, is there some sort of a rift between Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke? I, I don't think we'll ever hear of, of anything if, in fact, that is the case. Uh, I tend to believe that there are disagreements, but I also believe that there are disagreements with every head coach and general manager in the NFL. Uh, this is not a perfect science, and it's a little bit more clunky here because they didn't come in together, and there wasn't a dominance by one over the other Um you know, in the case of Bulky being here before Doug Peterson, uh, because he was an assistant hired by my call or Dave Cobwell, and uh, again, I'm going to live uh, always with the understanding that uh, he was not the guy who actually wanted to bring in Doug Peterson. He's got him now, but I would expect there to be uh, some differences when it's all said and done. I think that's already been the case. But here's an interesting one that was just sent to me, Blue. What is it going to take for Doug Peterson? to light a fire under Trevor Lawrence. And to me, that is fascinating because I've noticed the difference in Trevor. You know, year one was my final year as the Jaguar sideline reporter. So I was much more in tuned in things that where the camera doesn't follow if that makes any sense, especially on the road. I mean, for I am now in the press box, I can still keep an eye, obviously, on Trevor Lawrence to watch what he does, whether it's a Jaguar scoring drive or whether it's a Jaguar's uh, turnover. You, you, you could still watch those things. I'm not down there, you know, at eye, at eye level to – and, you know, always the description of the job was I, I was allowed to report what I saw. I was never allowed to report what I heard. But I always heard stuff. I mean, I heard incredible stuff the eight years that I was down there. And so, you know, that helped me form an opinion, um, even though I didn't report it, if that makes any sense to you. In year one, Trevor Lawrence, I don't want to use the word timid, but he was a rookie. And, of course, the entire situation was a disgrace uh, with Urban Meyer. But there, there was no um, – there was really no 
leadership or me take you under you know, my wing, or certainly there was never any criticism that he would give anyone else on the offense. I, I think we've begun to see that change in the last couple of years. Now, I don't think we're ever going to be confused that this is Jeff George, right? That this is Phillip Rivers, that this is Tom Brady. Um, you know, I'm sure you've all seen the viral performance of Troy Aikman walking in front of the Dallas Cowboys bench and dressing down his offensive lineman and, and I don't I don't know if you're ever going to get that out of Trevor Lawrence but I but I do think he showed more emotion okay whether it's with referees whether it's complaining about calls whether he's getting on guys to you know run the right route or they're not running uh, the right route but I also believe this, you're either a born leader or you're not. And, and folks lead in different ways. I just don't know if Trevor, even if he's here for 8, 10, 12 years, if he's ever going to be a Mark Brunell type of leader, if that makes sense. Brunell would yell and do all that type of stuff. It feels like we get a little bit of that under Trevor. So I don't know if it's the head coach's responsibility to force that out of a player. They have to do with what they're comfortable with most. I, I have always believed that you, you can't long-term change work ethic, right? You could fake it. And, I'm, you know, business owners driving home, I, I don't care what type of company you own, um, you know, moms and dads with your kids, you know it. You, you know the ones that will do their homework. You know the ones that will – brush their teeth and get ready for bed. And you have uh, your other son or daughter who you got to get out of four times. Did you brush your teeth yet? You know, did you do your homework yet? Every, everyone's wired differently. And, you know, you can threaten them. You can ground them. You can find them at, at the business place or, or professional. You can do whatever it takes. And, and maybe in a short period of time, turn them to where, okay, they're more aggressive. And, oh, look at that. The work ethic has changed. But when reality sets in, and the days turn into weeks and months and years, don't you typically go back to your normal habits? So I don't know if you could change that. In this case, we're talking about becoming more of a vocal leader and a little bit more fire. I have noticed a change for the better in Trevor. Even though his performance on the field hasn't gotten any better, I have noticed that part that the texter did ask me about have you noticed any change at all, uh, JJ? Or for you, is it same old, same old when it comes to Trevor Lawrence? I thought he was starting to think he was one of the better quarterbacks in the league this year, and he did the whole like I'm checking receipts or whatever. Mm. I I don't know if he's like more fired up or anything, but I think he started to think he was a great quarterback, and we all realize now he's not. How did checking the receipts go for him? Exactly. He looks like an idiot. <laughs> checking receipts. I love that. That is hilarious. I actually forgot about that uh, until you mentioned it. Um, hey, it, it's changed here. This city has changed. I've changed. I mean, last year at this time, if we were to rewind it and, and look at the tape, Okay, I, I'm sure last year at this time I was saying in a year, a year from March, you better sign Trevor Lawrence now. You better give him 
top money in the NFL because it's going to cost you less down the road. There's no way I would do that now. And I also believe that Trent Bulky's not going to do that now for this very reason. There has to be pressure on Bulky, okay? Unless there's something going on with him and, and Shad that we just don't know about, there has to be pressure on Bulky where he is saying to himself, we have got to turn the corner this year. All of a sudden in Jacksonville, and this is nice to know, that 9-8 and is not good enough. And you look throughout the course of the history of this franchise and people will say, yeah, it is. Well, right now, present day, no, it's not. Nine and eight's not good enough. Missing the playoffs isn't good enough. You know, I, I think the best case scenario of this past weekend is, let's say Jacksonville played and lost. This season would have been turned again by so many a success. Some are still defining a nine and eight season, a winning season, a success. You're not. Jaguar fans are not because your expectations were higher. Us in the media, we, we fed that to you. We absolutely gave it to you each and every way. This is a playoff team. This could be deep into a playoff team. Heck, six weeks ago, talking about the number one seed, talking about a bye, and then everything that just possibly could go wrong went wrong. So that's, that's really the silver lining out of all this. And I think it's going to affect the way that Trent Bulky builds this team. I think there's been a lot with Trent Bulky about putting the right pieces together, always looking ahead, as any general manager should. What was the biggest ta- what was the biggest downfall of Tom Coughlin when he was here the first time? Didn't understand the salary cap, right? Came back and hit him. It really bit him bad uh, at the end. If Trent Bulky knew that he was safe for years down the road, I I think he'd be a little bit more careful about the way that he designs this team. The pressure that is now on him, in my opinion, I think he's going to make some moves now that maybe he wouldn't have made because he's got to win this year. At least that's the way I'm looking at it. So all of a sudden, guys like Cam Robinson that you thought maybe sent down the road could be back for another year. Uh, what are you going to do with those contracts with a low con? What are you going to do with that contract of Christian Kirk? What are you going to do with that contract with, uh, with Brandon Sheriff? I mean, to me, it, it really becomes fascinating, and I, I think his overall way of building this has to change, and that's going to include Trevor Lawrence. I, I don't think you pay him now. You make him play this season in year four of the rookie deal. You, you certainly pick up his fifth-year option, Right? I mean, and that's that's more cost affordable. Let me see. I, I wrote it down here the other day. Trevor Lawrence's fifth year option, which is for the year 2025, is um uh twenty one million dollars, right? This year he'll play for eleven point seven. In twenty twenty five, he'll play for twenty one million dollars. If you were to not pick up the option and he became a free agent at the end of the year. You could always swap a franchise tag on them. Well, a franchise tag would cost $35 million. That's $14 million more. It's obvious. You put the fifth-year option on them. Make them play a year for the rookie contract, and then if he lights it up and he's incredible and they make some changes and they become a better team uh, along the offensive line, 
and you feel more comfortable about Trevor Lawrence than you do right now, then sure, you can talk then about signing him to a long-term contract. But I think at $11.7 million, it makes the most sense uh, to try to fill in some other areas to make this team um, even more competitive than they were this year after going 9 and eight. All right, comments tonight brought to you by the good folks over at Patriot Roofing Services, specializing in all types of commercial and residential roofing and repairs, gutters, sun tubes, skylights as well, 10-year workmanship warranty. Uh, financing is available. Give my buddy Mark Tozzolo a call at 982-4052. They are licensed and insured. Discounts for military and senior citizens. No matter where you are, we had some weather here over the weekend. We're going to have much more weather um, reportedly coming up this week. It's going to rain again. It's going to be cold again. Uh, what about your roof? How is it holding up? If you need a new roof, call Patriot Roofing Services. If you need roof repairs, get a hold of Patriot Roofing Services, whether it is your home or your business. Again, check them out online at Patriot Roofing Services. Pittsburgh with a field goal. It's now 21-10. to 10. Buffalo, five minutes to go, third quarter. First down here by the Bills, so they are moving the football. They have it up around their own 40-yard line. Again, just under five to go. Buffalo 21, Pittsburgh 10. we got much more to do if you want to join the conversation. Love to hear from you. Best way to get on in is on our text line. That number is 641-1010, and it's brought to you by Lifetime Enclosure. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Three minutes, 23 seconds to go. Third quarter in Buffalo. The Bills up 21-10 over the Steelers. They are driving first and 10 at the Steelers 30. Uh, The home team so far, winners in Houston, Kansas City, and Detroit. Of course, Green Bay took care of Dallas and Jerry's World, uh, just clobbering them, 48-32. If you didn't watch the game, it was um, that final score doesn't really indicate as to what took place. That was all Green Bay from the very beginning on, uh, just clobbering the Dallas Cowboys. How about Puka in L.A.? The fifth-round pick, selection number 177. I've, I've received a few today that are saying, you know, how did they miss on Puka? Well, guess what? My guess is that all 31 of the other NFL teams, uh, local hosts doing radio or what have you, are are getting this question today. This was a mess. Uh, this was a miss by all 31 teams not named the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, I don't know if I, – I guess the Jags would probably missed on him a little bit more than other teams. They had a little bit more opportunities with the amount of draft picks they had. But, yeah – Nobody, this wasn't a household name. Um, I expect him to be good for here on out, though. You know, I don't expect him to be like one of those uh, shot in the pen, you know, whatever the st- uh, saying is, but, you know, like a one-hit wonder type guy. I think this guy's going to be good forever. Who's he remind you of? He's got a little bit of Edelman, but he's bigger. I mean, this guy's big. He's 6'2", 200, 205, I think he looks a lot like who he plays with. Um. What's his name? The white guy for the Rams. Oh, Cooper? Yeah, Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. Yeah, I, I was thinking of that yesterday. I was like, who is this? I mean, every guy we watch play, we can we can compare, uh, but 
He doesn't wow you with his athleticism. No. He, He's tough. His yards exactly. after catch. You know, I his yak, uh, this where I'm at right now doesn't give you uh, those numbers. But but like the touchdown he scored yesterday was a perfect example. You know, you think he's going to get caught by the sideline and he just kind of does a little spin and gets out of it and six. I think he makes that grab if he's not grabbed from behind. Oh, at jersey. the end? Probably. Yeah. Well. Thank God we had one good game. Yeah. Because, boy, it was a rough watch, and this game's pretty rough. Kind of kind of feels like tonight's game could be good. I hope. Uh, let's see. No A.J. Brown. Yeah, that's a big blow. Uh, Hertz said last week he didn't really throw too much at practice all week. It's going to be a weird one down there. Buffalo is setting up for a 45-yard field goal with Tyler Bass, uh, about a minute and a half. Yeah, right at 1.30 to go here in the third quarter. Let's see. Obviously, a lot of wind in Buffalo. That's straight down the middle. So uh, the Bills are going to now take a 24-10 lead, officially 1.32 to go. 24-10 over Pittsburgh, but I want to say the Steelers now have scored in two of their last three drives. Correct. So, I mean, they've been driving. Earlier in the game, they did get it all the way down. I think they threw a pick at, like, the two. Um, they blocked a field goal right before half. It was about to be 24 to nothing. They blocked a field goal right before half, got the ball at, like, the 30, and scored. Um and the punter for the Bills in trying to run back to get the field goal, he, like, tore his hammy. So it's going to be interesting to see if they have to punt. But his first one after that was pretty decent. Talk about the changing of the guard. Again, eight uh, eight changes this year. There could be nine if Mike McCarthy is let go. Uh, could be. Which I'm surprised that didn't happen. Yeah, it could be ten if, you know, let's say Philly got blown out tonight and um, Nick Suriani. Ended up losing his job. Mike Tomlin, if if they lose this game, that there is talk that that Tomlin could be out, and and that would real. I mean, if you think I'd about yeah, the five longest tenured coaches, twenty four years, Belichick gone, fourteen years, Carroll gone, seventeen years for Tomlin. You've got John Harbaugh and Andy Reid, who I want to say are like 16 and 12 years respectively. It's it, it's incredible to think that Andy Reid has actually been in Kansas City for 12 years. And I still think of him as the Eagles coach. Oh, I know. It's, it's, it's absolutely uh, nuts. But, see, this is such a loyal family. If they lose, there's no way that Mike Tomlin's job is in doubt. We know that since the merger, they've had three coaches in Cowher, uh, Chuck Noll, pre- you know, previous to Bill Cowher and and now Mike Tomlin. But when you have eight or nine openings, man, you've got to figure out what is best for your football team. And you know, the the report that that was listened to over the weekend, it was Florio on the Peacock uh, coming out and saying he's going to step away and figure out what he what he wants to do. Well, that's noble and all. But how long can you step away when when the the organization is still up and running? You've you've got to put everything here. Oh, like he would uh, come together. back to the Steelers? No, it's it. It's, or just step away from the game and then get another job in coaching? No, I mean step away for how many days it is to consider? Am I coming oh, back? Oh, I see, I see, I see. Am I, I going see. to retire? I thought you meant like step away from the no. Steelers for a year, let them suck and then come back i mean give him maybe a weekend or something but 
this is and and I love this how like people in in high places in this game have never thought about it. You know, Jerry Jones yesterday, oh, I haven't given it a moment's thought as to whether or not Mike McCarthy is coming back, as to whether or not I'm going to, you know, give Dak Prescott that much more money. But when you're sitting in your owner's booth and you're down 27 to nothing, what the hell else are you thinking about? I mean, to me, that's just total common sense. So I don't know what they're going to do here. This is going to be very intriguing. So that could be yet another job uh, that could open. And again, 24-10 right now, Buffalo up over Pittsburgh. Uh, under one minute to go in the third quarter, the Steelers do have the football. All right, let's get ready for our final hour. Getting some good stuff that's rolling in on the text line. Certainly want to get to you on it. 641-1010 if you'd like to join us. That is 641-1010 on the text line. And that is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Into the fourth quarter in Buffalo. The Bills up 24-10. 13.50 to go. Pittsburgh plays seven of their drive. They have it at the 31-yard line. Taking a lot of time. And you're down by two touchdowns. They just barely, I mean, they got the ball off with like less than a second to go on the play clock, and uh, they do pick up a first down. They get it to the 18, but uh, the patience here is uh, is scary. It's got to be for Steeler fans. That's something you do when you have the lead, not when you're down by two touchdowns. Again, they do have it within the 18. We'll keep you updated. Our final hour with you tonight until uh, 8 o'clock. Everyone was complaining about that streaming service, and apparently 29 million people purchased it or at least 29 million people watched it. I don't know if they watched it or purchased it, but I was already a uh, proud owner of uh, of Peacock. Were you able to enjoy the game? Yeah, I have Peacock anyways, so it wasn't hard for me. I prefer it because you could, like, rewind it, pause it, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's how I watch, like, any game that's on NBC, I actually already watch it on Peacock anyways. So, yeah, I, I didn't have an issue. I know probably there's a good amount of people that did. There's people texting in today said that it wasn't worth the money. It ended up not being worth the $6. That's for damn sure. It was a very rough watch. So if you spend 6 bucks on it, though. You get that, the whole month. Yeah. You sh- you it's not should just for the game. So get the rest watch of- The Office. Yeah. There you go. So if there, I, I imagine there's games next week, right? I don't, I don't think know. so. I think this is it. I, oh, okay. I, like for the exclusive games, I would be shocked if they had like the division round and the championship. Yeah. I think this might have been just a, you know, hey, we got six games. Let's put one on there and one on regular NBC. Let me look next week. It looks like it's just in, uh, NBC next week. Pickens yeah. couldn't haul Lions in. versus to be determined. Rudolph just threw a great ball uh, to uh, to Pickens. George Bay couldn't hold on to it in the corner of the end zone. So, that would have made it a seven-point game. A lot of complaints over the weekend. You know, Tariko Garrett. Tariko's great. No one's going to argue that. But Garrett got lambasted. As he always does. The folks were upset that it wasn't Al Michaels. Al did it. You know, go back and watch last year's Jaguars game. And no enthusiasm at all. I mean, Al Michaels is on Mount Rushmore, one of the greatest broadcasters of of any lifetime. But he he acted disinterested. He, he complained 
way too much, and they just said, forget about it. Some folks are upset about that, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Garrett, really, you know, I, I didn't mind him as bad, probably because Collinsworth drives me crazy. You know, I, I think we're in a great era of broadcasters, uh, analysts, not as much. That I was about to say, he doesn't really give me much. Collinsworth loves everyone. Yeah. And, you know, I can't do the Herbie. Dr. Herbie gives me nothing in the NFL. Okay? I'm not a fan of Dr. Herbie because I think he's a total sellout. But he does know the game of college football. Uh, Tony Romo, I never understood. It, Tony Romo, to me, is like you're in a bar and you give a guy next to you a headset and you just start chumming it up. It it feels like he's he's unprepared. Um you know, but he's with the best of the bunch uh, with um, uh, with Jim Nance. I, I think as far as play-by-play guys, this is one of the great eras that we've ever had. I mean, the, the young uh, Ian Eagle's son got rave reviews. He's only 26 years of age, and it, you know, it felt like he had been doing it for quite some time. And then, you know, you look at Nance and you look at Buck and you look at Tarico. And Burkhart, I mean, you got some really good play-by-play broadcasters. I, I don't feel that way, though, however, about the analyst. I, I think there could be definitely an upgrade there. By the way, Ian Eagle was doing the radio broadcast. Pittsburgh just scored, by the way, 17-24. Um, he was doing the radio broadcast of the same, gun, uh, same game that his son was doing the television broadcast for. Yeah. Proud Papa moment, I'm sure. Yeah, and, you know, I saw, listen, we know the streets of Twitter are brutal. And, you know, I heard a lot of nepotism and this and that. Okay, sure. But if you're good. He's good, though. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're. I don't care how you got the job as long as you're great at it. Right. I'm happy. I was in Chicago when the youngest of the carries was there before he moved over to Atlanta. Skip. And you'd hear it there. You know, you'd hear it with Joe Buck and, you know, with Jack Buck. It absolutely. They have a massive advantage, a huge advantage. Chip, excuse me. And dads do that to their sons and daughters in in every form of business. It doesn't matter. And, and it certainly does include broadcasting. But you have to be good at it, right? Like, I, like here's what I don't get. I don't get the Jack Collinsworth. I, seriously, what does he bring into the table? Jack Collinsworth, I, I I think Dungy's fine on the sideline. I think Rodney Harrison is fine. That is a definition of nepotism, all right? So there's one that I will absolutely agree with you on. All right, as uh, uh, J.J. pointed out, we got a football game in Buffalo. Touchdown for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So it is now 24-17, to 10-32 to go. And it just feels like Buffalo hasn't been able to do anything in the second half. They had a 21-7 halftime lead. They were up 21-0 in this game. So Pittsburgh has scored 17 points compared to Buffalo's three points uh, since late into the second quarter. Um, 10.32 to go. Again, we'll keep you updated on this game. Of course, coming up tonight at 8.15 as well. Uh, a lot of money coming in today on Tampa Bay. Philadelphia was somewhere in the neighborhood of a three-point favorite. I'm looking right now, the very latest two and a half. We know A.J. Brown is not going to play. The total is 43 
and a half. Philadelphia at Tampa Bay. Uh, total, beat, uh, total meat leather in that one coming up tonight at 8.15. So certainly do look forward uh, to that game. Caleb Williams announced that he is coming out. Today was the final day to do that. We saw J.J. McCarthy announce for Michigan. We saw Blake Corum announce uh, coming out of Michigan. Uh, for what it's worth, Jim Harbaugh reportedly today visiting with the Los Angeles Chargers. Okay, I believe he becomes the first coach to interview there. Uh, the Rooney rule is obviously in place, so don't expect a Jim Harbaugh announcement of his hiring tonight or tomorrow. Uh, the NFL obviously um, is all over that, so that'll be very interesting. But I, I'm wondering where this is going to end. We saw Mike DeBoer to Bama. We now see Jed Fish going from Arizona to Washington. If Michigan does lose Jim Harbaugh, do they just promote from within with Sharon Moore? Makes a lot of sense. Highly thought of offensive coordinator. Again, does not have head coaching experience. The other guy who's real high on the list is Les Miles. Uh, not, excuse me, not Les Miles. The man who replaced uh, Les Miles. Orgeron. Or two after, or, or, or Ed, after Ed Orgeron, I should say. Brian Kelly. Les Miles. Now, oh, that'd be a huge mistake. I'm talking about Brian Kelly at, uh, at LSU. He's been reported to, to really be, you know, one of the two or three guys that would absolutely be considered for that job. Well, if if that happens, you know, there's already talk that um, LSU guys are, are thinking of enter, uh, entering the, uh, the, the portal, okay? And, you know, there is that second wave where you can enter the portal uh, as well. Who, who's the great defensive player, uh, Perkins? He's like the best defensive player, I think, in, in college football. Harold. Harold Perkins. I, I was reading today that there's some talk that if if Brian Kelly leaves, he's going to enter the transfer portal. I mean, he would become the most sought off sought after defensive player in in quite some time if in fact that was to happen. But so you know, you just wonder when this is all going to end. Right now, we don't have an answer uh, to that. But you know, that is rumored that that is going to happen if in fact um, he does end up leaving Michigan, which I believe he will with Jim Harbaugh. Uh, one other announcement, Leslie Frazier interviewing with the Raiders. I really hope, well, I, I, I want to word this correctly because he's a former head coach, and if he's the guy for the job and he gets it in Las Vegas, all the power to him. But I would love Leslie Frazier here. Where I'm at, I, I want one of two guys. I want proven Defensive coordinators, proving coaches, all right? Wink Martindale, reportedly in town here tomorrow. It's going to be a two-day interview. Leslie Frazier, there's been nothing that we have seen to this point where the Jaguars have contacted him. Uh, reportedly, Chris Harris, who's the Titans passing game coordinator, um, obviously defensively, is going to be here as well for an interview, uh, perhaps as early as tomorrow. Some of these names on here just don't blow me away. Um, I, I want experience here, and I love Wink Martindale's you know, style of, uh, of his blitzing um, outside linebackers and, and, and edge guys. Statistically speaking, it was a very poor year. If you look at the New York Giants' numbers, it's tough to 
look at them and say, ah, there's a coach that you have to have. I'm just being honest with you. They were like 25th in scoring defense. They were, I think, 25th, 26th in uh, in, in total defense. Um, but I don't know. It, you know, he still is a very proven guy. So, you know, that's where I'm at. Either one of these two, you know, Mark Quinn Manuel, obviously doing some nice things with the New York Jets, a little bit younger. Chris Harris, we just talked about. I, I don't understand Shane Bowen. The other Titans uh, defensive coordinator, the run game coordinator, to me, that's not a fit. Chris Hewitt in Baltimore, I, I would like to learn a little bit more certainly about him uh, and his ties uh, that involve Michigan and replacing Wink uh, and, and Wink Martindale and, and, and things along those lines. But that appears to be where this football team is right now when it comes to to the defensive coordinator. And, you know, I did think that this team had an opportunity to get out ahead of of others. Joe Cullen's a name that has been mentioned. We haven't seen him anywhere. Uh, Jerry Gray is a guy that we thought may get mentioned. Uh, Jesse Minter is a guy that made a little bit of sense, but we really haven't seen anything there as well. So it'll be pretty intriguing to see what the Jags end up doing when it's all said and done. Buffalo 24, Pittsburgh 17, nine and a half minutes to go. Pittsburgh with the ball, and it feels like they're watching the clock here a little bit. Yards have been tough to come by here late in the game for the Bills, but they do have it at their own 45 in the first down, so gathering a little bit of momentum here as we head to the midway part of quarter Number four. Much more on that game and as well. Coming up at 8.15, Tampa Bay playing host to Philadelphia. It'll be the final football game during this wild card week. And I say that, and Josh Allen just exploded up the middle for 20-plus yards, uh, picking up another first down for the Buffalo Bills. The clock now at 8 minutes and 30 seconds. we got much more to do. Take you up until 8 o'clock ourselves right here on a Monday edition. <laughs> Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. The trike got Eminem to do the pregame. They avoided Motown. They avoided Bob Seger. They avoided Three Finger Ted. That was pretty good by Eminem. I, I wanted to um, get warm and fuzzy with Detroit. I just, I just couldn't. I kind of enjoyed the fact that they were living in misery. Yeah, there's only been four teams who have never made the Super Bowl. Detroit and Cleveland, the long-standing teams. The other two? Houston and Jacksonville. Pretty incredible. Twelve teams have still never won a Super Bowl. Only 20 of the 32 franchises have. One of those is the Pittsburgh Steelers, who I believe are tied with the New England Patriots for six in franchise history. The Buffalo Bills have been to four Super Bowls. They've never won, but they just scored a touchdown, and watching Pittsburgh defensively kind of feels like they've mailed it in, which is a shame because the offense has responded, but they just missed four or five tackles there. And uh, Buffalo now goes up 31-17 to with 6 minutes and 27 seconds remaining in the game. I do want to apologize to uh, Chris Hewitt and his family. I said he had been at Michigan. He had not been at Michigan. 
He has spent nine years as the pass game coordinator in Baltimore and the secondary coach. He is rumored to be one of five coaches who either has or will interview for the Jaguars' defensive coordinator position, along with Chris Hewitt, a couple from Tennessee, and Chris Harris and Shane Bowen. Marquand Manuel, the former Gator, who was the safeties coach for the New York Jets, and Wink Martindale. Martindale reportedly in town tomorrow, as well as Wednesday. I would like to see Leslie Frazier get added to that list. I, I, I think I was getting a little bit confused with Jesse Minter. And, and there's another guy. I mean, he took over on the interim when Harbaugh was suspended. He's been the, the defensive coordinator at Michigan uh, since 2022. He's only 40 years of age. So if that thing blows up at Michigan, and I don't know if he'll get an opportunity to, to become a head coach at Michigan. Again, it, it feels like the offensive coordinator, uh, Sharon Moore, is getting most of the love and most of the play. And I think he actually, I, I, I do want to, did, did, it says he was an interim head coach in 2023 for one game. Uh, he was suspended for the first three games of the 2023 season. Harbaugh was suspended for the first three games of 2023. Yeah, he got suspended twice this year. Remember and then he that got was... sus- well, I remember his second sp- I forgot his first suspension. Yeah, it was because uh, COVID stuff. Oh, yeah, that's right. So it was like years prior when he did it. Okay. But he was suspended this year. Came back. I mean, people don't remember that because it was so early in the season and they played nobody. Including yours truly. But he came back. That's when the Connor Stallion stuff started heating up. That's when he got suspended again. As a matter of fact, I read it here now. This is what happened. Um, uh, he was – Jesse Minner was an interim for one game. Mike Hart was an interim for one game. And Sharon Moore was an interim for the third game. But I believe Moore also – was the interim coach during the second suspension for uh, yeah the Ohio State one? Um, yeah. yeah, I believe they played Maryland, Ohio State, and I'm missing somebody else. Yeah, yeah, uh, Harbaugh really didn't coach that much this year in game. He's got to leave. I mean, it just makes total sense. I mean, that's the way to go about it, right? He knows that the NCAA is going to come calling. He's Probably just wait for all the positions to open up. He, you know, like the Chargers know he knows the Chargers aren't going to hire anybody without, you know, interviewing him first. Now the Cowboys is potentially open. Like he might have the pick of the litter, depending yep. on you know, Jerry might just hire Belichick. I'd love it. I would. I want to see Bill get that record. Oh, he'd get it. Sooner than later there. That would be a perfect landing spot. Either one of those two plays for Belichick would be perfect for him. He needs 15 wins. I mean, you look at – It's a year and a half. Yeah, the last three years, Mike McCarthy's go. he goes 12-5. and He's just 1-3 and in the playoffs. That's what killed him. Uh, Here's one here. Baloo, you and the local media – the local media told us that this would be the highest-scoring offense in the NFL. We did. I'm not going to run away from that. Jaguars averaged 23.8 points in 2022, and Doug Peterson thought they'd improve by five points a game. Hey, you do the math. That's nearly 29 a contest. They dipped. They went to 22.2. Yeah. 
I absolutely thought. Why wouldn't I think that when, you know, they're starting 22, you only had two changes. You lost Juwan Taylor, the most penalized offensive lineman in the NFL, with the rookie Anton Harrison, and you lost Marvin Jones, and you, you brought in Calvin Wrigley. So, mm-hmm, I figured so, but it certainly did backfire. No question about that. 5105, what uh, game did Christian Kirk go down? That uh, was a Cincinnati game. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think things changed with that. I've had some folks send me, like, a video of him playing golf. Did you see that? He was playing golf last week, and people were like, why is he out swinging the club if he couldn't play in the game <laughs> with a core injury? I, it's probably a completely different thing. Yeah. You know, like – being tackled is probably part of it, not just his ability to move around. You know, golf, it's not exactly the same. <laughs> I saw people going at Agnew, too. Like, Jags fans are pissed, dude. They're they just are. over it. Agnew tweeted out this weekend, which he shouldn't have. I mean, just shut up and go somewhere. Like, What did he tweet? I missed he, it. Something, you know, like, oh, I wish we were in the playoffs or, like, it sucks watching the playoffs without us in it or something, you know, not mean, but yeah. just like, dude, Jags fans don't want to hear about how you blew an 8-3 and three record and you're not in the playoffs. Let me, and um, so, so someone tweeted at him like that, basically what I just said, and he's defending himself saying, well, it, you know, it's really hard to win in the NFL. Like, you're not going to win. Just don't say – you're not going to win on social media, I mean. Just don't even respond. Oh, no one wins on social no. media. But he's a former Jack. He's not coming back. Yeah. They can't afford to pay him. They got too many other things they got to do. And he's um he's a risk, injury-wise. Uh, the guy can't stay healthy. But the, let me – and I have no idea about what happened here with Christian Kirk, including we watched him work. And – Maybe he felt he could go, and they said, uh-uh, we're holding you out. You know, you can get ready for the playoffs. We're going to hold you out here against Tennessee. We, we don't know how those conversations went. The other part of it is, and I can tell you this from experience, when I go to the first tee, every bone in my body is hurting. After a few Miller lights and some <laughs> Tullamore dew, I get to the back nine. I can't feel anything in my body. So I'm not saying that was the case for Christian Kirk. I hope it was. But it could have been. Um, yeah, I, I, we don't know how he would, would have played. You know, the pompousness of the Jags this year, a lot of me thinks that he was, like, able to play, but they were like, just hold out to the playoffs. Just, we'll beat Tennessee, and you can play next week. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Just the way the whole organization was acting this season. I'm such a wuss, man. I played early Saturday morning with with uh, with Aaron Beasley and a uh, nice and a couple buds, and it was so so cold on Saturday morning. And you know, I I, I was gonna I actually stopped by the liquor store and it wasn't open because it was an, I had like a nine twenty tea time. And I, I wanted to get a bottle of uh, of uh, of Bailey's as I uh, left my um, left my truck, and 
my girlfriend and her friends were out, so she came by and picked up my truck. Again, I absolutely, on days that I don't work, I absolutely drink on the golf course, but I, but I do not drive. So I wanted to get a bottle of Bailey's and go with the, you know, the coffee and do all that good stuff, but I couldn't. So I, I did the Bloody Marys, and then I started drinking some beers, uh, some lights. And, you know, after that, we went uh, to a, uh, a watering hole and watched uh, – it was only like two o'clock and the game didn't start till four thirty. And it's like I had like a couple more beers and I was like, forget about it, man. I just Ubered home. It was home by like two thirty. Took a nice a, little nap. Took a nap until four thirty. I'm the like, best. man, I'm like, Blue, you're just like you're so soft, man. You're letting this cold weather when it's warm weather stuff, I start and I just keep going and going and going and going deep into the night early into the next day, but it's frigid like this, and it just affects my entire uh, self-being. I mean, I'm, I'm supposed to play golf tomorrow, and I'm told there's no way it's going to happen. This is the fourth consecutive Tuesday. It's going to be wet and cold. That's four Tuesdays in a row. And that cold is bringing, or that rain is bringing in frigid temperatures, low of 31 degrees Tuesday and Wednesday. Really? Yeah. Wednesday, I'm locked. 50s on Wednesday. Yeah, I got a I got a doctor's appointment. And I got uh, and I got a big meeting here. To, I mean, Wednesday, um, uh, is fine. I got plenty of business to take care of. But tomorrow's a long day. We come on after helmets and heels. You know, I, I like to uh, use Tuesday. It's an off day during the NFL season. It's a day let, that I like to get out and enjoy Duval and the sun and some golf. And I, I keep notes. This is a fourth consecutive Tuesday. The weather has sucked. It's been absolutely awful. What's your opinion on snow games? Like. They were better way back when, when it was a running, when, when it uh, used to be all about the run. Yeah, I, I agree. Now it totally changes the entire game. Right. So, like, you've watched – the NFL since August, and it's played one specific way, mostly pass heavy. And then all of a sudden, you know, when it matters most in the playoffs, we have to deal with like insane environments. I don't like it. I it looks cool on TV for a bit, but it's just not the game that we just watched for six months. No, it's not. And when I think snow, I want Christian Okoye, I want Pete Johnson. I want Earl Campbell. I want Jerome Bettis. You know, I want big backs, and I, 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 I want the game to move that way. Whether there's snow or not, today's NFL is still about slinging it. And you would think that in, in that type of atmosphere, it would affect everything. It, it does not. They made a huge deal about this in Buffalo. There's no snow at all. None. Not it, on the field. No. Yeah. I mean, every time I look up now, whenever Buffalo scores, snowballs are being thrown all throughout <laughs> the stadium in the stands. And, you know, they paid literally hundreds and hundreds of Bills fans, like 20 bucks a pop, 20 bucks an hour, uh, to show up and shovel uh, the snow within the stadium. So I guess it was a pretty intriguing process, but it, it ended up working out for them. Next week, looks like it'll be Buffalo at home against KC. Hmm. That's the first road playoff game in Pat Mahomes' entire career. Nuts. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy <laughs> that that is the case.
I mean, that is absolutely crazy. So playoff games we know so far, it's going to be um, the Texans. Um, oh, wait a minute. Playoff games we know so far, Green Bay is at San Francisco. That's okay. the only one locked in, but I'm just right. assuming Buffalo is going to pull this off. They're up two scores, and they have the ball with two minutes left. Uh-huh. Okay. So Buffalo at Kansas City. No. Kansas City uh, Kansas at City Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah, Kansas City at Buffalo, the first ever road game for Patrick Mahomes. Okay. And that would mean the winner of tonight's game goes to Detroit. So Correct. it's either going to be Tampa Bay or Philadelphia. All right. Uh, I wonder if Taylor Swift's ever been to Buffalo. Seems like a place she probably wouldn't perform at. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> so Baltimore would get Houston. Yeah, that's already locked. So there you go. And after tonight, we're down to eight games. We've got nine games remaining. Two-minute warning here. So this game is going to end uh, in just a couple of minutes. And it is going to be the Buffalo Bills moving on to the divisional round. It looks like they will take on Kansas City. And again, it will be Houston visiting uh, Baltimore. Baltimore coming off the bye. San Francisco coming up off the bye. That's the only point spread I've seen that has been released so far. San Francisco favored by 10 against Green Bay. That is actually going to be an 8-15 start on Fox on Saturday night. The first game is scheduled to be at 4.30 on Saturday. That will be Houston uh, in Baltimore at 4.30, and then we need the official times for Sunday, but it looks like it's going to be 3 o'clock on NBC on Sunday. Detroit will play host uh, to either Tampa Bay or Philadelphia, and that leaves us with uh, with what? What are the other two games? Um, oh, yeah, it, that would be 6.30 at night, Buffalo playing host to Kansas City. On CBS. So there you have it. ESPN, Fox, NBC, and CBS. So it doesn't say Peacock here. It says yep, NBC. Just regular NBC. Um, that one will be in Detroit. That is the first game coming up on Sunday. All right, final thoughts coming up here on the other side. Still got room for you. Getting a lot of good stuff in on our text line. That number six four one ten ten. And it's brought to you by Lifetime Enclosure. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. 20 seconds to go in Buffalo. The Bills are going to advance to the divisional round. They're going to play host to the Kansas City Chiefs. They're up 31-17. An update from Paris as we were talking a lot about gratuity last week. And a lot of you got involved in the show. My daughter now three shifts in as a bartender at a, uh, a Scottish bar. I had to remind her that uh, she's got some Scottish Irish in her uh, from my mom and her family, Cutter, which is uh, Scottish Irish. But she worked from 7.30 to 4.30 a.m. on Saturday night. And she told me she got 35 euros. All right. So that was interesting. She said she worked yesterday and got only 12 euros. So she says the, no one tips over there except for visitors from the United States of America. They don't know enough. And they do tip. I thought that was pretty intriguing stuff. So anyway, uh, Baloo, if Wrigley walks, gets a big deal in free agency. This is from the 9747. Um, 
wouldn't we get a, a, a comp pick? If so, would that likely be a third-round pick? Uh, my understanding is that yes, and, and obviously that would not come into play until the year uh, 2025. It, everything is set for this year. The way I understand things with Calvin Ridley is, you know, if they sign a long-term contract extension with Calvin Ridley, a second rounder will go. Uh, to the Falcons. If it, if it becomes a third-round pick, which it is right now, if you put a franchise tag on them or you allow them to go to free agency, that would be the case. Uh, this year, they are expecting or they are picking up a compensatory third-round pick with the loss of Juwan Taylor, okay? So that came into play. They also are picking up a fourth-round pick from the Saints, uh, part of a previous trade, and a sixth-round compensatory pick in the loss of Arden Key, who went in free agency. So my understanding, this is where the Jaguars are. 17th pick, first round. 48th pick, second round. 96th pick, third round. Again, remember, they lose it for Wrigley, but they pick up the compensatory pick for Juwan Taylor. Fourth-round selection, uh, which is... Spot number 114, a, another fourth-round selection from New Orleans, selection number 116. 151 in the fifth round. 194 in the sixth round. Uh, compensatory pick number 210 overall, which is late in the sixth round. And then seventh-round picks, 233 and 256. So that is where the Jaguars select uh, with the upcoming draft and um, really the only concern that anyone should have at this particular point is what is going to end up happening with Calvin Ridley. As I said a little bit earlier, I, I think a lot of these things are going to make more sense now for Trent Baalke to try to get done to win this year. I believe that. I, I think the pressure is going to be on him to get things done immediately in the 2024 season. I have to believe he enters the year on the hot seat. I don't know that for sure. That is just a belief. Now, today's takeaways brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. All right, so how about the NFL today on this Monday, Martin Luther King Day. Many of you had work off, and uh, hopefully you enjoyed the holiday and you enjoyed it for all of the right reasons. We are down to one game remaining during the wild card playoffs. That is coming up in about mm, 35, 40 minutes or so. That'll be in Tampa. The Buccaneers will play host to the Philadelphia Eagles. But it has now gone final in Buffalo. Okay, and it is the Bills, a winner. Uh, the final is in 31-17 to 17 for Buffalo. So, they do move on, and they'll play host to Kansas City next week. Is this the end of the road for Mike Tomlin? There's been some speculation. I, I obviously don't know either way. My guess would be that he returns. He's never had a losing season in Pittsburgh. But then again, I didn't think Pete Carroll would be out of a job. I kind of figured that it would come to an end uh, for Bill Belichick. Uh, so we'll see what does take place. Right now, there are eight openings in the National Football League. There could be a ninth with the Dallas Cowboys and Mike McCarthy. Again, very successful throughout his career. He's 42-25 and 25 in Dallas, but only 1-3 in, 
in the playoffs. And then, of course, really anything can happen tonight in Tampa. The word out of Philadelphia is that Nick Sirianni is safe, but they went from 10-1 and to losing five out of their last six. So who knows what to really expect. Um, A.J. Brown's not playing tonight. Jalen Hurts is far less than 100%. They lose this game. Could they make a change there? In Philadelphia, so it's going to be an interesting Tuesday and Wednesday, no question about that. Until we get ready for the divisional round of the playoffs, and um, it's going to be Game One: Houston at Baltimore, 4:30 on Saturday. Green Bay at San Francisco will be the night game coming up on Saturday as well. Obviously, that is in San Francisco, where the 49ers enjoyed the bye. The winner of the game that's going to go on in about 30 or so minutes between uh, Tampa Bay and Philadelphia, the winner of that game will go to Detroit, and that'll be the first game played Sunday at 3 o'clock. And then the final game of the divisional round of the playoffs will be at 6.30 on Sunday night. And again, it'll be Buffalo playing host to Kansas City, as uh, as J.J. pointed out, the first, first ever road playoff game. For Patrick Mahomes. Probably like his sixth playoff, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) Outrageous. And a guy who's played in like every single round of every single playoff. Incredible stuff. No doubt about it. Hey, over at Key. Go by and visit them tomorrow right across the street from Tinseltown. That's Southside and Gate. Proud owner of the Key uh, GMC Sierra truck, which I absolutely love. Uh, the GF does have as well a key Buick Enclave. Just mentioned my oldest daughter, Ainsley, who's now in Paris. Uh, a few years back when she was in high school, I did get her a used car from Key. So no matter what it is, great incentives and a vehicle there for everyone. Plenty of brand new 23s that are still on the lot. Obviously, brand new 2024s that are on the lot. So head by there. Um, as for Derek O'Brien, the good folks over at Key Buick, GMC. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers, equal opportunity employer. Hacker Nation is up. We begin another week. How you doing? Good, good. We now have the divisional round, at least in the AFC set. You know, I love the... The wild card, super wild card weekend, and I understand with the postponement or the cancellation due to the blizzard in Buffalo, but here we are Monday night, and the Houston Texans are playing Saturday at 4.30, and they just five minutes ago found out who they're playing, so now we know it's going to be Houston and Baltimore in less than five days. It really is, and it's amazing how things can change in one year, isn't it? I mean, last year at this time, euphoria and the comeback and an opportunity to go to Kansas City. Now it's all of a sudden people looking at each other. Uh, they don't know who to blame or what's next. But, uh, you know, I, I kind of condition them tonight. It's not as bad as it could be. I mean, you're still 9-8. and eight. I'm not trying to massage it. It's disappointing. It was an awful ending. But the starting point at 9-8 and eight is a heck of a lot better than what it was a couple years ago. Yeah, it's a fair point. Two things that I'm going to talk about tonight. You know, we're, we're so caught up in Jaguar season, you and I, everybody here at 1010XL, that we watch other games, but our lives pretty much revolve around the Jacksonville Jaguars. So when they're not playing, obviously you can take a good look around. And I got to tell you, four things yesterday between the Rams, the Lions, Green Bay, and Houston, they all have young playmakers that they drafted making big plays for them. And outside of Travis Etienne here in Jacksonville, 
no one the Jaguars drafted has done anything. All of their free agents at wide receiver, Evan Ingram's a free agent. You could argue that you go all the way back to 2015, the best wide receiver the Jaguars have drafted is DJ Chark. Mm-hmm. Trent Baalke's drafted two wide receivers in three years, Parker Washington and Jalen Camp. They've drafted two tight ends in three years, Luke Farrell, who Urban Meyer knew his parents, which is in large part why they drafted him, and Brenton Strange. So uh, I've been very pro balky on the free agent side of things, but this weekend really put into perspective how far the Jaguars are falling behind with other teams in the draft. Yeah, you mentioned uh, DJ Chark. Who was the other one you mentioned? Uh, well, DJ Chark's the best wide receiver the Jaguars have drafted dating back to 15. Balky's only drafted two of them in three yeah. years. Parker Washington and Jalen Camp. You know, Allen Robinson, certainly, but the uh, maybe third on that list would be undrafted. And Allen Hearns. Yeah, and well, Robinson was in 14. Yep. That's why I went back to 15, because Robinson was a good player. Sure was. And they drafted Marquise Lee Marquise, as well. Yeah, Marquise. He's been out of it. He's, he's been out of the league for two years now, yeah. hasn't he? Yeah, all those I guys. I couldn't get healthy. D.D. Westbrook. T.D. Westbrook. Didn't I'm going to go out. over the wide receivers tonight, but it's Who was staggering. the kid out of South Carolina again? Ace uh, Sanders. Ace Sanders? Yeah. He got popped, and he just like, hey, you know what? The earth is flat. Because A. Sanders fell off it. There's yeah. a name I have not heard since he left Duval. I mean, you look at Green Bay's young wide receivers. You look at Houston's young players. L.A., obviously, Puka Nakua is a fifth-round pick. That He is just a stud. Uh, boy, Jacksonville doesn't have that. And that was very concerning to me watching those games yesterday. All right. You got that coming up? What else? Yeah, we're going to talk a lot about that uh, Monday night coaching with Campo. Dave Campo joins me. Mike DiRocco, ESPN.com will stop by. And a little college ball with our buddy Mike Huguenin coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. All right, sounds good. Hacker Nation coming up. We'll keep you updated as well on the nightcap. That'll be down the road in Tampa. They play host to Philadelphia. The winner does move on. And they'll get Detroit on the road next week. That'll do it for us. I don't check the text line now if the show is over. If you want to get a hold of me, you can do it on Twitter or X. Same deal, right? Blue1010XL. Tomorrow night after helmets and heels, then the rest of the week, 6 to 8. That's Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. For J.J. LaSalva, my name is Rick Ballou. Enjoy everything that's going on on this Monday night. We'll talk tomorrow on your Home of the Jags.